There is a worldwide disaster in the bee industry at the moment. There has been for some time and it's not appearing to get any better. In the United States, for example, for the fourth year in a row, more than a third of bee colonies there haven't survived the winter, and worldwide millions of colonies are dying. Scientists aren't sure why. Billions of bees. And you may not think such a tiny insect could cause much concern, but scientists say potentially it's a biological catastrophe. With us on Afternoons to talk us through it is Peter Main from the WA Beekeepers Association. Hi, Peter. Hello, Gillian. Look, Peter, st- to start with, tell us, tell us why. The scientists are using the world, words like disaster and catastrophe. Why, how is that? Uh, it, it relates to a small mite which has uh, gone from one type of bee, the Asian bee, and it's gone to the European honeybee. And this has happened you know, uh, quite a few years ago, 30, 40 years ago, but since then, it is, uh, the mite has a, ch- a capacity to uh, uh, alter its behaviour very, very quickly, and it seems to adjust to all sorts of things, adjust to, to chemical use, it adjusts to different uh, conditions. So unfortunately for the European honeybee, the mite is here to stay for a long time. It, it gets on and sucks the blood out, and, and as, as well as killing the bee, it, it causes infection through the whole hive, and as a consequence, the, the, the bees are sort of uh, just dying in, in droves. Decimating populations all over the place, and I mean, why is this why is this important to us? Why should we care? Uh, the there's no insect can pollinate our our plants like the honeybee can. The uh, sometimes people tend to think that the uh, the honeybee is only a honey producer, but it's, it's it's real importance to our society is its capacity to transfer pollen from one flower to another, and hence we, we get a, a fruit set. So without uh, without the transfer of pollen, we don't get fruits. Without fruits, we don't get fruit, and we're in serious trouble. Some scientists are, are suggesting in um, in articles that if uh, if if bees become extinct, that would uh, cause our food chain to collapse. Is that alarmist? Do you think uh, it wouldn't collapse uh, because some plants that we eat fr- uh, from uh, a wind that their pollen is transferred by the wind, but a lot of a third or more than a third of our food would uh, we just wouldn't have. And sometimes the, the plant type that uh, is, is will wind pollinated or self-pollinated, you still need bees to produce the original seed type. So things like uh, sunflowers, there's a huge business in, uh, in Kununara. Every year they produce uh, you know, thousands of tonnes of, of sunflower seed, but it's not for human consumption, it's for seed for the farmers. So, uh, so that's, that's the real problem, that uh, if we just don't get the seed, then we don't get the plants. Causing a lot of a lot of concern internationally, but uh, Australia, or at least I understand, uh, parts of Western Australia are still producing quite a quite a lot of bees. Tell tell us what you're doing in Armidale, Peter. Uh, I've I've moved from the honey production, which I've done for many years, to the pollination to a pollination service. It's interesting uh, how the world has changed. Many years ago, when we were young, we were very happy to eat watermelons that had seeds in. We'd sit outside and spit the seeds in the grass, and that was it. But now our society wants watermelons without seeds. That's just the trend. But to produce that, you need to grow four rows of uh, uh, seedless watermelons, but you must have another row there with a seeded, and the bees need to cross-pollinate that. And without the the bees to cross-pollinate, there's no fruit set in the seedless ones, and that's what everybody wants. So as a consequence, I'll hire a lot of my hives out for mainly for watermelons, just so as the people in the supermarkets now buy little round watermelons without seeds. It's, it's astonishing, um, isn't it, Peter, that you think uh, with so much technology in the world that we still rely on these little creatures to do what you would think was such a simple task. 
Yeah, well, in China, where they, they've got problems with lack of bees, they do use a feather. The, uh, they use, the people just go with a feather from one, one flower to another flower, and you can imagine how, how much time that would take, but that's what they need to cross-pollinate the plants. So that's totally impractical in Australia. And your shipping bees are going as far as uh, shipping bees to, or western parts of Western Australia are, shipping bees are to um, different well, I, parts of the world. Yeah, I personally send bees up to, uh, to Broome. I'm sending some up this Friday again. And once again, they're for watermelons. They grow watermelons there through the, our winter. It's, there, it's warm enough up through there in Broome in, in our winter time to produce watermelons. And they go all the way to Adelaide and Melbourne. So they ship them a huge distance because people want to eat watermelons all year long. And in North Australia, the vegetation isn't as friendly as it is down here. So the bees can't exist through the whole year. So they, after the, uh, when the summer hits, the bees invariably die out. So each year, the farmers need more bees to, uh, to pollinate the watermelons. But the, I've got, the, uh, that's just a tip of the iceberg. The, the big business at the moment is a huge export of live bees. They put them in a little, little or cage the size of two loaves of bread and they put two kilos of bees and one queen into this little, little box and they send, uh, there's about 450 boxes to a pallet and they send two pallets at a time to, to Canada and uh, already thousands and thousands have left West Australia to Canada and they'll be used for pollinating canola to produce seed for farmers to grow uh, primarily. On the east coast of Australia, they're to send a huge amount into uh, uh, America for the, the pollinating of almonds because they had not, not enough uh, bees for pollinating over there. It's, it's astonishing, isn't it? And um, uh, why aren't the bees in Western Australia suffering from this mite, or is there any concern that we will? Uh, every beekeeper is nervous, and we've had our, our conferences, our joint uh, association conferences for the last few years have focused on uh, what to do when it happens. We've had speakers from uh, America from, and from Chile and other places around the world and from England just talking about what it's like. It's, we don't have the mite in Australia at all, and we're the only country in the whole world that hasn't got the mite. And I suppose we can thank our quarantine to that to a big degree and also to our remoteness. But the, uh, uh, it's on all our, it's New Zealand has it, New Guinea has it, Timor, Indonesia, South Africa, every country has it, but we don't have it here. How far can a bee fly? Is that a ridiculous question? Is it possible a bee could get from New Zealand to Australia? Uh, yeah, no, they, they, no they, they couldn't. They can fly. They've been recorded up to seven kilometres but it's, uh, it's a bit further than that to New Zealand. So but, would, it's a quite, but they're so tiny, you'd imagine the, um, um, e- even with really strict quarantine laws, it wouldn't be sort of out of the question, particularly somewhere that close they could creep in. Well, that's, yeah, we, the sensible beekeepers in Australia now, we, we don't have our head in the sand. We just say it's going to happen, but we don't know when it'll happen and we need to study and read and learn about it so as when it does arrive, we can be ready for it. And hopefully some research will um, come up with, with some way to combat it. Yeah, well, many of us thought that by the time it gets here, the rest of the world would have had been tackling the problem with the mite for so long that they would have worked it out. But on talking to English and American people, they've been using chemical to, chemicals to uh, treat it or to kill it. And what's happened is the mite has adapted to every chemical known. So when we get the mite here, it's going to be a super mite. Oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. We laugh, but I guess it's not very good news. But still good industry for you while, while we remain mite-free, Peter. That's right, yeah. Put your shares in, uh, in bees. Yeah. What the industry needs is more people to, to come into the industry. But that's one thing that is lacking at the moment. The, uh, I suppose like most agricultural industries, the young people don't join. But the, uh, 
the older beekeepers still have a mindset on honey production, which is good, but we need a younger generation to come in and do nothing but breed and sell bees. And there's a giant, giant opportunity for that for people who are interested in doing that. Well, they know where to go if they're, if they're interested. Peter, thank you very much for talking to us on Afternoons today and, and, and taking us through that. It is fascinating how much, um, how much goes into our, our food production. Yeah, it's my pleasure, Gillian. Thank you. Peter Main from the WA Beekeepers Association.